scholarship was crazy. So I was looking at about a quarter of a million dollars a debt by the time I was 22 in student loans for undergrad. Wow. My mom's a very respectable lawyer in Alabama. She's, people are scared of her. She's, oh. uh, has someone on death row in Alabama right now. Wow. Uh-huh. And so she's just hardcore. I want to get excited to go in this space. I wanted to give me a little bit of dopamine or serotonin when yeah. I come in this room. So for example, right there, it's like, now I have the money. I bought, a, you know, a $200 lava lamp that's two and a half feet tall. And that sounds ridiculous, but it's cool as shit. You know yeah. what I mean? I was thankful for my dog, Franklin. He was like snuggling with me in the bed and he's just the best dog ever. I was like, I'm thankful I'm shooting a podcast with Sean today. It's going to be so damn fun. I lost a $2 million deal at 3% because I haven't posted on Instagram in six weeks and they didn't like that. So they didn't hire me. So I need you to send me a contract and I want to do, what do you have? A 12, 18, 24 month contract. I want to sign it today. Welcome to the Hope Wagon. Thank you for having me. First time down here, probably one of many, right? <laughs> many. And you came to the farm on a rainy, cold day. Got to meet the whole fam. Yeah. They're making meatloaf. Found a baby dead mouse here. Yeah. Or alive, should say it will and be And then dead. one of your girls immediately just wanted to take care of it. Yeah, that's Stella. She's the little veterinarian wannabe. So. Yeah. But we're here to talk about you today. So the Hope Wagon, obviously, what we hope to kind of accomplish on the, um, here is like, we want to tell like stories. We want to hear people's stories. We want to hear where you're going in life, but not only where you're going, where you came from yeah, and what you overcame. Because our goal here is, you know, I think there's too many podcasts out there that just focus on, well, I'm going to have somebody that's famous. You're kind of famous, like in your own right. Oh my God. Um, but <laughs> no. like, um, they don't get into like the nitty gritty and the stuff I think that people need to hear. You know, that's the thing. Life is Instagram is called a highlight reel and right. it's literally called highlights, your highlight reel on Instagram. And so no one really talks about the low times that got you to the, the peaks, right. the valleys, the hills and valleys that got you there. And I love seeing creators right now being authentic and 100%, 100% themselves and talk about, oh shit, the market's like this or this is happening or whatever. Right. And I love seeing the anti-highlight reel. I think it's so important. Yeah. It gives you a peek into people's lives mm -hmm. and builds trust Absolutely. too, right? So you grew up in Alabama? I did. What part of Alabama? I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide. Okay. Roll Tide. All right. So yeah. it's a football town. Big time. Okay. The whole economy, yes. Now, when you go, when you grow up in Tuscaloosa, is it like, do you grow up like people are like, I want to go to Alabama? <clears throat> or when you grow up in Tuscaloosa, are you like, I want to get out of Alabama? I was dying to get out of Alabama. Okay. I actually got accepted into Pepperdine in Malibu, got mm. accepted to SMU in Dallas, and I was in between those two spots. And financially, at the time, um, both my parents were, they still are lawyers in Alabama. Okay. But my mom really instilled working for everything in life. So I had a little bit of scholarship fund, you know, okay. a little bit. That would pay for in-state tuition. But if I wanted to go out of state, I was going to have to figure it out. And so SMU with my scholarship was like 55 grand a year. Okay. And uh, Pepperdine in Malibu was, I believe, like 62 grand a year with my scholarship. Like I had, I made like a, got a 29 on the ACT, which was decent. Never could get a 30. Yeah. Never could get to that 30. <laughs> I took it like, 29 is pretty good. I took it like five times, but with scholarship, it was crazy. So I was looking at about a quarter of a million dollars a debt by the time I was 22 in student loans for undergrad. Wow. And so I was like, I guess I'm going to Alabama. And it was like, I wasn't excited, but I look back on it now, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had yeah. the time of my life. I met some of the most incredible people along the way. Saved a ton of money. Saved a ton of money. I think it was 4500 a semester. Nice. And uh, I was very lucky. My scholarship fund covered all school. I actually got paid to go to school. They paid for my apartment about 10 or 11 months out of the year, so I'd only have to come up with one rent bill a year, which was yeah. sounds so ridiculous, but that was so difficult at the time when I was in college working because I was broke as a joke, you know? Um. So what is the brokest you've ever been? Like, what's a memory you remember about <clears throat> being broke or like something you had to do when you were broke? So my mom at 18 cut me off, mm. um, like no money. And so I got a job. Dunzo. Dunzo, babe. Like even like she would help me. I will say she helped me with some books here and there if I needed books or score or whatever. But my scholarship covered that, things like that. But my mom was that woman. My mom's a very um, respectable lawyer in Alabama. She's... People are scared of her. She's oh. uh, has someone on death row in Alabama right now. Wow. Uh huh. And so she's just hardcore. And so growing up as a kid, like even if I wanted to go to a new Italian ice spot that was two or three dollars like a cone, I would have to make all A's that quarter to go try the new Italian ice spot that all of my friends were going to. 
So my mom just instilled this work ethic in me, even as a child in middle school, that I had to work to get a $2 ice cone. Wow. And so I feel like I've taken that with me um, a long ways. And that sounds aggressive as heck, as a lot, probably to a lot of parents in 2023, but I swear I feel like I would not change the way I grew up because it instilled such a boss mentality that you don't get anything handed to you. You're not, I'm not entitled. Like yeah. I work, I'm 25 and I work 60 to 70 hours a week because I want an killer business. I want to connect with people and I want to create, you know, a little mini empire here in Nashville. And that's what I'm passionate about. So like, I think that like when you're growing up and you all of a sudden like at 18 or 21, these kids are being told like, Hey, now be an adult. Now mm -hmm. get a job. Now be creative. Now start your own business. Mm -hmm. Like one of the big things that I've kind of, you know, gets underneath my skin is that like, well, for 18 years, we're telling kids, sit down, shut up, don't, you know, cool. yeah, slow right. down, don't, you know, raise your hand, mm -hmm. be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we flip that script, you know? You're like, figure it out. Right. <laughs> YouTube it. You'll figure it out. People weren't really scared of my mom, but my mom definitely was somebody that was similar. Like she just instilled, like, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna earn what what you get." Mm -hmm. You know, I was telling somebody today. I took my buddy to Whole Foods, and he's like, "Man, you put a lot of dressing on your salad." And I said, "Well, when you grow up poor, like, actually, I was po, like, I was po. po. We couldn't even <laughs> afford the or, mm -hmm. and it was like we got condiments. We're like." You weren't, I wasn't allowed to pour my own condiments, mm. like because they cost a lot of money. Mm. A1, we got one cap full. Mm. Like, we got one cap. Where are you putting A1 on? Oh, huh? Where are you eating? Well, I mean, back then it'd be like the hamburger steak or cube steak <sighs> that my mom got, probably off the discount steak. aisle, but you know, one cap full, and it's like, that's not enough. So yeah. nowadays, when I'm older, I'm like, I drown things in sauce, you I know? Mean, I think of it that way too. Like, right now, I'm, you know, I'm younger, I'm in my 20s, and you know, I feel that I'm in a place where I'm successful and I feel really proud. And so like, for example, like this weekend, I'm building out a crazy fun office in my house right now and I call it dopamine decor. Oh. And so basically it's like crocodile wallpaper, wild art, neon oh. signs, like all of this crazy fun decor. And the point of it is, is I want to get excited to go in this space. I want it to Give me a little bit of dopamine or serotonin when yeah. I come in this room. So, for example, right there, it's like now I have the money. I bought, a, you know, a $200 lava lamp that's two and a half feet tall. And that sounds ridiculous, but it's cool as shit. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it's little things like that. It's like now I can, you know, and it's now I can like it's almost like that inner child a little bit. Maybe yes. it's healing in a way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I was 18, I was struggling. I mean, I was eating like protein bars like all that that was my diet like yeah. i got down i was thin as hell like it was but i was working i was working 30 40 hours a week at the um brian denny museum the hall of fame museum oh, in wow. alabama i've got like 13 bucks an hour there i was a marketing assistant that was my first ever job shout out to brian denny museum in tuscaloosa yeah. you guys <laughs> paved the way yeah. now we're here <laughs> with sean and um I went to school and got two degrees and did two minors and graduated in three years. Dang. Because I was broke. I was like, I got to get the hell out of here and go make some money somewhere. Yeah. Um, by the grace of God, though, at 19 years old, I got offered a full-time salary W-2 job um, while I was in school full-time. And wow. that was able, that really launched my career. So I had, you know, by the time I graduated college, I had around at least four years of marketing experience. So it wasn't like I had to start an intro job. My first, my first big job when I left college, I worked at Twitter. Um, and global advertising did global campaigns for people like Skims and Rebecca Minkoff and wow. the Tennessee Titans and different national campaigns. And it was incredible. It was so cool. So Twitter was pretty, that, I mean, obviously that was probably a good launching board for you. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I learned so much like a software that I actually created and worked with a developer that I met with at Twitter. When we worked with our member for a Rebecca Minkoff campaign. Um, during like Met Met Gala, yeah, like that yeah. that famous day we have every single year, um, she did a campaign um, where she was targeting other accounts. So, for example, it's called a follower lookalikes campaign. Yeah. So, let's say I am. I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm Rebecca Minkoff. I have purses, so I'm going to target maybe Coach. Now they've had a really good PR comeback, right. and I'm going to target maybe Nordstrom. So those are where my shoppers are. Yeah. So I, they, she built a following, built a campaign, built on someone else's back. Wow. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So now I've created a software that no one really can compete with. I created a organic growth algorithm that I developed myself that I implement into my clients' accounts. Wow. And we build organic, very clean followings down to a zip code, down to a city. 
Yeah. based off what I learned at Twitter, which was the follower look likes campaign. And I brought that a small mm. business here in Nashville and it is like in like fireworks. It's been amazing for my clients growth. That's a, you know, that's a differentiator for you mm -hmm. because there's so many people in your, in that space, mm -hmm. in the design space, in the advertising space that just, all they're doing is saying that they can do something and they're yeah. like hacking or cheating. And like, that's a really, really valuable tool. So basically to understand like related to like my world, so, like, people that are searching and find Loan Depot or yeah. Rocket Mortgage, like, I would go in and do a campaign around that, and they would end up seeing my it stuff, It wouldn't even, even have to be a campaign, Sean. You would just basically give me your top five competitors, and I would go in and target them and basically build an organic following off their accounts onto yours. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, it's very clean to the point, like, you already have the, com the conversion. Yeah. I mean, if they're following them, they're most likely going to work with you at that point. You know what what I mean? was the work culture like at Twitter? Like, you always heard, like good and then now it's changed so i and... left right before shit hit the fan i actually got okay. furloughed because they wanted everyone to move to atlanta or new york oh mm -hmm. and you and didn't I, want to do that well, i just got my mortgage i oh, just okay. bought my home my partner dylan and i live here we have like three dogs and i was like i can't move to new york right now which i would today if i could i would literally pack my bags and move yeah but i literally just got my mortgage like just closed on my condo yeah mm -hmm. so you were like okay this isn't gonna work out and then you're like you're gonna start your so this You're, is a funny, this is a fun dip. This is what we call a valley. Okay. Peaks and valleys. So that happened at the time I was making candles. I owned a candle company really? called Scandal. So the word candle with the S in front of it, my whole method, my whole message, my whole mantra was these scandalous sayings to grab people's attention. It was the marketing On brain. the candle. So for example, one of my candles were, it was targeting like, a modern day woman, I studied my market. She would be between like 20 and late 30s. And on the candle, it said, still is, uh, take a Xanax, still is Amex. Oh. So take a Xanax, still is Amex. And so, but it smelled, the the fragrance was, it played on the saying, it smelled like a rich man. It smelled like a men's cologne, like a Ventus. Wow. Creed Ventus is what yeah, the smell yeah. was. I created like it. one of my favorite colognes. Yeah, so I literally, the sayings were so funny and they would basically highlight what the scent was of the candle. I had one that said, block his number, enjoy your summer. And it smelled like bum bum cream from Sephora, that like really coconut oh, smell yeah, that so many yeah. girls love. And I created that fragrance and put that in the candle. There's really high margins in candles, right? It would cost me about, I did really high in candles. So I loved coconut wax. I loved mica glitter. I loved, yeah. and coconut wax is high yeah. um, because a lot of cheap candle companies, they'll use paraffin, which is basically it's not good for your lungs, not good for you. Yeah, it burns, doesn't burn it's, clean. does not burn clean. Like, we'll give you black soot on the walls of your of your house. And so, I think I would make a candle for like 8 or $9 about, and then I would turn around and sell them between like 38 and 42 Which is a decent bad. margin. But I was making at the time, we were, you know, I was probably, I profited my my first year, I would say I did probably seventy or $80,000 in wow. profit. And I was making candles in a 700-square-foot unit at Warden Lofts in Germantown. And you made them yourself? Yeah, I made it. So wow. at the time, though, this is the crazy story, is I gained 20 pounds. I had bags under my eyes constantly. I was irritable. I was the marketer. I was the admin, the candle maker, the shipper. I did it all. I was, I was all by myself. Yeah. And at the time, Twitter paid me well. So obviously, if I'm only making 75, 80K in profit, I'm like, I got to live off. I can't pay anybody. You know what I mean? I was like, that's right. my money. You right. know what I mean? And so it was like, I remember I would literally start pouring candles at 8 a.m. They would sit for four hours. I'd pour another batch at 12, another batch at four, another batch at eight, do another batch at midnight, and then do another batch at 4 a.m. So I was sleeping. I was waking up to pour candles in the night yeah. seven days a week because they performed well. They yeah, were you were selling well, them. But I had to to make the money. Were you, you know selling I mean? them online? On Shopify. And then I um, partnered with a bunch of boutiques in Nashville. And then I had a lot of people that found me in the wholesale side of, world, side of the world. So they wanted yeah. to sell my candles in their boutiques and stores. It's kind of bringing me some memories of like, so like I've gotten an enormous amount of requests for these hoodies. Yeah, I so want one. You get one for and being I want, on and the I want a cap hat. <laughs> you, you get one for being on the show. That's awesome. Um, so that's we'll crown you a hope dealer. But I've been like buying the sweatshirts, taking them over to my friend. You know, she embroiders them, yeah. and then I bring them back. And I'm like, there's got to be a way, like, like to have them almost like drop ship somewhere where I buy the hoodie. You know, give them the address of where it's going, and then they send them out. You can. Yeah? You can do that. It's just, at the end of the day, it's like if you have a friend, you want to support their small business, you know? Yeah. It just depends. And when I found the drop shipping side of things, they were always made cheaper. 
Like the okay. material never felt yeah. great. Like they were never um, embroidered. They were like just printed. Yeah. So maybe I could support my friend's business, tell her, you know, hey, this is what my expectation is. Raise the price up to cover the margin a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. You know? So did you teach yourself all of that? Like how did you, did you were just like, you went from working at Twitter, Twitter. to owning your own commerce online business is mm -hmm. what you did. Yeah. One day I just looked in the mirror. I'm like, I am burnt the fuck out. Yeah. I'm dying. And you weren't like, happy doing it. I just like, I was like, I feel terrible. Like I just am exhausted. I've gained this weight. I don't feel great about myself. Like what is happening? And so some very good friends of mine who are real estate agents in town, they reached out to me and asked me to be a director of operations and run marketing for their real estate brokerage. And they paid extremely well. And so I did that and basically shelved Scandal. And I still have, I own all the LLCs, all the rights, the Instagram accounts, everything. Really? Yeah, it's Shop Scandal um, on Instagram. And I still, I'm actually, it's weird we're talking about this because yesterday Dylan was like, my partner, we were talking about holiday guests. I was like, Dylan, I think for my clients this year, I want to bring that passion back out. That's not so much about money, the financial side of it, and just make candles for my clients for Christmas this year. That'd like be how fun great. that'd be. And I'm gonna, I want to do them cool. Like I'm gonna do them. I'll probably do like 90 ounce candles. Yeah. So they can burn them every day for like 100 days. And, and like last. if you put something on it, you were <clears> like, hey, this is my company. Mm -hmm. You know, I handmade this for you. Mm -hmm. It it that's a game changer because it's well, something you did. Yeah, and I think that'd be fun to take the glance. Like here's a huge big ass candle. It'd be massive. It'd be about 90 ounces. And like I made this here. I want you to keep it. And it's know? something that lasts and you can reuse mm -hmm. it. A couple of years ago, you know, to help support my mom, she lives in Clarksville. Okay. She's she's an arts and crafts mom, so she like she likes to make tons of arts and crafts, things out of wood, things yeah. out of. And uh, so a couple of years ago, I was like, "Hey, would you be willing to make like, you know, fifty ornaments yeah. for trees?" And it was the best idea ever because I just told everybody all my top fifty VIPs. I sent them one. I said, "My mom made this. this is for your Christmas tree." I you bet know, that meant so much to them too. It really it was did. So intimate, you know. And then there were people like messaging me. They were like, "I didn't get one." Uh, you know, I didn't get an. Ornament. I didn't get one. So the next year, I, did, I was like, "Mom, can you do a hundred of them?" Yeah. So she's I bet getting, your mom loved that too. Yes, yeah, and she she's like she already asked me. She's like, "You're gonna want you know something for this Christmas?" I was like, "Yeah, my of course you know I pay her like probably five times more than what she would charge." <laughs> anybody, but it's a good way to help my mom out. So. I love that. So you went from running your business, you're burned out. Dying. What was the what was the what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Like, I think I just looked in the mirror and wasn't happy. And that <laughs> sounds so that sounds very worldly and physical, but I truly believe when I feel my best, I am the best version of myself. And I feel like I've found that again, especially in the last year and a half. Like I went through a major life coaching program in Las Vegas. Spent over a hundred hours in that program. It changed my life. Wow. Um, and I just live in gratitude now every single day. Like so, for example, today you're part of my gratitude this morning. I woke up. So I wake up and I open my eyes and I sit there before my feet touch the floor, before the phone flips anything. And I'm bad about it. I, you know, I wake up at like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. I'm not an early riser. Sorry. Like my work day starts at nine. You're creative. So I am. But I, the thing is too, my work day sometimes ends at like 10 o'clock. So right. I might start at nine, but I've worked 12 hours, you right. know? Um, I say three things I'm grateful for. I start every single day in that mindset. I don't think about a client. I don't think about what I'm going to eat, my dogs, whatever. I say three things, and today was I'm thankful. I was thankful for my dog, Franklin. He was, like, snuggling with me in the bed, and he's just the best dog ever. I was like, I'm thankful I'm shooting a podcast with Sean today. It's going to be so damn fun. And I'm thankful for my clients on a rainy day that just want to get out there in the weather and still work with me every day. Like, I'm yeah. very thankful, and I feel very in a mindset of gratitude that people want to show up and work with me even when days are dreary and not so, yeah. not so fun to get out in the weather. Because, you know, a lot of people can feel... You know, I don't feel super motivated when it's ugly as heck outside. Mm. And, you know, but that's been a major mind shift as I wake up every day and I say three things I'm thankful for. So when you start your day out with gratitude, it really just goes up from there, in my opinion. I think people like automatically shelf that as being like something, you know, hokey, cheesy, cheesy, whatever. Yeah. And until you actually practice it, mm -hmm. like, you know, you talked about the, the inner work that you did. Like, I think, you know, we talked about that when we had lunch one day. Yeah. And... Like, that was something I learned was, like, you know, in order to, to really be in a good mood and have a good attitude, well, you got to set your attitude. Yeah. And I'm so passionate about this. Like, it breaks my heart to know how many people probably get up and the first thing they do is they start doom scrolling 
Well, mm. when you're doom scrolling and you're seeing everybody else's highlight reel, or you're seeing the news, what's going on and stuff, how do you think your day is going to turn out? That's mm. definitely not starting out on the good end, right? I think it comes from a level of control, too. So people come to me sometimes, like, who's your competitors? I'm like, I don't really care. Like, right. I'm Brant Lyons, and I show up, and I show up every damn day when I'm in with my right. client. Like, I am 110% myself. I come in, let's say you, we're, I walk in the van right now, and you're like, hey, Brant. I'm like, hey, Sean, how are you? Like, how's your day? I got out of the car with you. We were up yeah. there. I'm like, Sean, yeah. beautiful house. Like, Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is incredible. I immediately set the tone. Yes. I take control. Yeah. And so it is going to be very hard for a client to be like, uh, 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 if I come in and they're, and I'm just on cloud nine. If yeah. I come in, even if I'm not having the best day, I know, and I, and I don't really believe I'm faking it until I'm making it. I just think I'm really trying to shift my mindset at the end of the day. If I come in with a 10 out of 10 energy, then they're going to mirror me back because in life Absolutely. we are all mirrors of ourselves. And gratitude is severely underrated, in my opinion. I really do believe that. I um I have an app that I use. It's called ThinkUp. Okay. And so ThinkUp is just like uh, your gratitude. Um, I also do affirmations. Yeah. So I'll lay there in bed. I wake up and I'll say some gratitudes. Mm -hmm. I usually mine are like I don't know. It's it can be five. Sometimes it's ten. I just yeah. I'm kind of ripping it, it off. It can be minor things. And sometimes I doze off again and I wake back up and yeah. do it again. And yeah. I'm like, well, you already did gratitudes. But um, then when I after I work out, I come in and I get in the shower and we have speakers in our bathroom and I will play the Think Up app. And what the Think Up app is, I wrote out like ten affirmations. Okay. Like, I've started remembering them because I listen to them so much now. Like, you know, my energy is a superpower and I'll use it wisely. Yeah. And as I listen to those over and over and over every day, I'm like, if anybody saw me listening to these, talking to myself, and it puts music behind it, and the timer goes off. So it reminds you whatever times of day you want it to go off, and then you just listen to yeah. it. And you can let it loop, and it'll do it. You know, read all 10 affirmations three, four, five times. Yeah. And there's background it's your music. It's that point. It, But it does, yeah. I mean, people would laugh at me, but like listening to that literally changes my day. I think success comes from a place of delusion. Like I think you have to be a little bit delusional and think like life's going to work out for me. Like life is for me, not against me. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I don't mean delusional in a negative connotation. I mean it in a little bit like living in the clouds. Like yeah. being being a daydreamer, really thinking like, you know, I'm not worried about that right now because this is going to happen for me. You know what I mean? Being yeah. in that more maybe a little bit manifestation, maybe a little bit more like I, not in an entitled way deserve this, but I work for this and I want this and it's going to happen. Yeah. And I've just been like that as my life. I've always had these feelings as a kid. I'm like, I'm going to do something right. big. And it's because I want to do something big. I care. And so I think when you're in that energy constantly, I mean, you're bound to succeed. Do you, do you ever feel like I do, like where it's like you always just tell yourself like, this isn't what I was ultimately meant to do. Like, I'm going to do something even bigger than this. Like, mm -hmm. I'm always, and people tell me all the time, like, you know, you should be grateful or you should be happy with where you're at. They take it as, like, they're trying to tamper thing. you down. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I just. I'm just excited for what's next. Right. I just know that I'm meant for more. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. It's this energy. It just gives you chills. Yes. And you can transfer it to other people, too. Mm -hmm. So, you had your candle business. <laughs> you went and worked with my. Uh, friends in real estate. Okay, so you, then you went to work for your friends in real estate, and then well, that was during the time, obviously, that thing people in Nashville were just killing it and experiencing the explosive yeah, growth. People were my real estate agent clients, and I was working with back then. They were making doing a hundred thousand dollars a month in commission. Yeah, mm -mm. and so I joke with them now. I'm like, I don't want to hear any of you agents complaining. Right. I don't want to hear any bitching. I don't want to hear any negativity because if you were smart, you would have saved at least fifty percent. And I don't want to hear it. That's Love right. you so much, but y'all were making. Millions, or you know, let, yeah, let's say, no. you know, let's say even my, you know, my lower, my my agents, not lower, but my agents that weren't doing a hundred thousand dollars a month. Let's say they were doing half a million a year. Yeah, you did not need to spend half a million dollars that year, and yeah. I pray to God you did it. And so I'm worried about that. Like my checks, like when I get, you know, when I'm, I have a bookkeeper twice a month, and they put 0.55, so 55 percent times it, and they throw it into a savings account. So I live off 45 percent of my what I make. Nice. So. If I want something nice, if I want to treat myself, it has to come out of that 45%. You know, it doesn't, has to come out of that mortgage account, that car account, whatever. So if I want to buy myself a pair of shoes or something like that, it doesn't come out of that savings. It comes out of that 45%. Most people built that lifestyle, though, up to the million, two million, three million dollars a year. I mean, I have friends in the mortgage industry. I'm in a national coaching program. And I mean, I had friends making five, 10, 20 million dollars a year doing mortgages. I mean, I had hundreds of loan officers. Yeah. And like, there is a something to say to the, to the bigger they are, the big, 
uh, what is it? The bigger you are, the harder to fall. Yeah. Right. And it hurts. I mean, I'm seeing that with some of my friends that are builders and, you know, we have to have these times to really, really teach us some lessons I'm on a little humility. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I went through 2008. So like when I went through 2008, when this whole thing came, I was like, I was prepared because I've, I've been a saver ever since then. Yeah. Similar to you. It's like, I set it up on auto draft for 12 years. And it just went over here, and my wife's like, where's that going? I was like, don't worry about it. Yeah, We're giving it to our financial advisor. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, and financial literacy is so important. Like when I was 23, that condo at Worthen that we are talking about, that, that's what really set up my career working with a ton of, ton of real estate agents. I bought a condo at 21 okay. for 315000 At Worthen Lofts, which at Worthen is Lofts, a super, super cool Which is place. incredible. It was only 700 and like, I think, 12 square feet, guys. Um, it's an old factory. Right? It was an old factory. It was really, really cool. I bought it for three hundred fifteen thousand. I had no money at the time. I was, you know, working. Just Probably starting. did zero down on it. Well, I did. I think I put. I think all in all with the club because I negotiated close. I've been always been a negotiator. Mm-hmm. So I did play pay closing, um, and I think in total I spent thirteen thousand dollars to get in that condo Crazy. with the de- with the down payment. So thirteen k. Which at the time I only had, I'd only saved like fifteen or sixteen k. Right. So I put that thirteen k down, and I was broke. And what did it go up to? So, well, I was about to get there too. So the thing is, a lot of people know this. When you buy, when I bought a property, I don't pay a mortgage for two months technically. So about seventy five days. I always every mortgage I've ever had, it's like a grace period to the fifteenth. It's the same. So at the time, I didn't have a ton of money. I was like, okay, I put thirteen thousand down to get in this condo. I can now save for the next 75 days. So I aggressively saved every check. I saved 60 or 70% because I had no bills, really, just the water and the light bill. My mortgage hadn't hit yet. So I got my savings back up to like 15, 18K once that mortgage hit. And then I started saving aggressively aggressively from there. But I kept that place two years for taxes. Yep. And I sold it from Instagram for half a million dollars. Half a million. And I so owed, you made I think, a, like 280 something. So you made it. a couple hundred grand on it off mm-hmm. 13 down. Mm hmm. This is why I always tell people, I'm, grand like, down. I'm like, why are you putting fifty or hundred thousand dollars down? You still get the same asset. Mm-hmm. So why would so your ROI? I'm just roughly calculating was like two hundred fifty percent, almost two hundred fifty percent per. Yeah, I made two at twenty three, and that was what changed my life. I made over two hundred thousand dollars, and they I literally went to the closing table. I found the buyer from Instagram. It was Kane Brown, songwriter. Um, Josh. No. Oh, the other. He has a few. Okay. <laughs> he has a few. But the, he has platinum records all over my loft now, and he'll wow. send me photos and loves it. And we still he talk. still lives there. Yeah, we still talk. That's and cool. He's made it cool. And um, but you know, you go to the closing table. We close. I found the buyer from Instagram. Didn't use any real estate agents. And you know, at the time, you breezed over that. You sold the place on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, all by yourself. I posted a reel of it, yeah, on wow. my Instagram. And, and it got, only got like 40 or 50 shares, but it just got to the right the right real estate agent. And I paid that real estate agent, <laughs> I think. Technically, I did use an agent because he connected me with the buyer, but I think I paid him five grand. Did you take your software <laughs> and retarget people that were like... Hey. I hadn't started that software just yet. I oh, should have, wow. though. Wouldn't that have been awesome? You but, could do that with properties. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So there's multiple things people can do with your company, which we'll talk about here in a yeah. minute. But uh-huh. I literally paid that real estate agent $5,000. So I made over 200 grand, technically, because I owed like two. 280 something on the property and to make that deal happen i used instagram and paid a real estate agent five thousand dollars in commission when i should have paid him at least like close to 15 or 16 grand that's why like i mean mortgages are boring they're not sexy Mm -hmm. and like i've struggled for you know so long and being like you know i know my purpose is here Mm -hmm. but how do i create a brand around something that is like will show people like the the game changer the difference that you know that real estate can make in people's lives. But I think at the end of the day, that's you, Sean. It's your brand. You're Sean Kaplan. So you have to, you're not a mortgage lender. You're Sean. Yeah. And so you get to be motivational and talk to people and make connections and be yourself, be your brand. And that's what you'll get to figure out like over time and you'll get to hopefully, I want to see you on stages and <laughs> life coaching and all of the things, maybe some business coaching too, which you already do, but just even go bigger with that. Well, thank you for saying that. I love hearing the story where, you know, you took a risk, oh, yeah, it was scary. you sold it, you made that type of money. It's like, that's game-changing stuff yeah. for people. And I've know? rolled it into another house. Um, I bought another house with Dylan, my boyfriend, and we live in like Westmead, right by Bellmead, <gasps> um, which, can I tell this story so real quick? Great. This yeah. is going to be cut up in reels. This story I'm about to tell you, you're yeah. going to die. Okay. okay, so I've always had a marketer's brain. I'm always thinking outside the box, like thinking about a buyer perspective like what does this need to be like what would 
how is this going to happen? So Dylan tells me the only way I can, because I sold Worthen at the time to get in this new house, because I didn't have enough, I put like 75000 down on this new house, and I didn't have enough, I didn't have seventy five k without selling. Okay. Um, but Dylan comes to me, is like, and you know, he's bossy, he's like, I'm not, it's his dream loft, he loved Worthen. It was all black, moody, sexy. I mean, if you've seen my Instagram, you know my loft. It was, yeah. it was amazing. It was only 700 square feet, though. It was tiny. And Dylan said, the only way I'm leaving is if you give me 3,000 square feet with a massive backyard and a two-car garage. I said, fuck. That's going to cost about 1.5. And I was like, I don't have 1.5. So I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to have to move to, like, Antioch or move out <laughs> or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Murphy's Bro. He's like, I want it over 3,000 square feet, and I want to have a bar in my house. I'm like, God, you are just so much, but I'll, I'll get it for you. I'll figure it out. So... You know, I'm like, I'm not going to find that. We're going to have to move out. I'm going to have to move out to, like, Spring Hill or yeah. far. It started snowing. Okay. And I thought to myself, wow, when it snows here in Nashville, people go crazy. Businesses closed. People don't work. And the market slowed. Yeah. Because no one's house shopping when it's Absolutely. snowing and no one can get out in the cars. Dylan had to escalate. I put that bitch in four-wheel drive <laughs> and went and bought and bought a house. Because really? it snowed for 10 days. Everyone was inside for over... Uh, they were just happy weeks. to see somebody that wanted to buy that yeah, house. Yeah, so that house, it was right after, it was like February, March, like when it snowed a couple years ago. Yeah. I remember it snowed for like two weeks. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, no it one shut could leave. Down. It shut it down. It was awesome. And so the snow hit the ground, it was forecasting a week, and I'm watching my weather app. I'm like, Dylan, this is when we buy a house. I go into real tracks. I put in my price point, my square footage, everything. Only a few, few houses show up, like maybe five in the whole city of Nashville and Davidson County. I book, 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 go see these uh, houses with a client, a friend of mine, or an agent. And within 24 hours, I was under contract at $197 a foot in Westmead. What? Mm-hmm. I've got the house for a little over 600 grand. Oh my gosh. Four bedrooms, over 3,000 square feet into cul de sac. I don't have neighbors. Um, I have a speakeasy bar in the bottom of my house, a two story deck, a hot tub. It's like a little mini resort. Wow. It's just me and Dylan and. Um, our three dogs. So definitely wow. dual income parents like living in this little, but at the end of the day, me and Dylan split the mortgage on it and we got a 4% interest rate. So when the interest rates were still kind of hitting the fours and fives, they yeah. were still good, but our payment right now is like three grand a month. So we split that. So technically in the mortgage world, you know this. So if we split that, that means he needs to bring it's 1500, 1500. So he, we would both need to bring home only 4,500 a month right. to be able to afford Absolutely. this house, which, you know, obviously we're doing, but it's just incredible that I got that deal at that time because I was like, oh my God, it's snowing. Well, your wisdom like paid off because... I was thinking to myself, I was like, no one is going to buy a house right now. It's snowing. And I put that car in four-wheel drive and I went house shopping. Very (laughs) smart. That's why I've always told people, buy around the holidays. November, December, January is the best months to buy a house. I think January, February when it's like cold and miserable too. Like even the new year, like go house shopping. Because your beautiful house too, like kind of gets downgraded a little bit with all the snow and wet rain, mud and all that. Yeah. And all the leaves are dead. So it doesn't look beautiful around the outside. The landscaping normally looks terrible. The grass is like brown here in Nashville. So, but now we bought that house for 630 and I could sell it tomorrow, even in this market with a 7% interest rate, I could probably list it around like 899 to 925. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And you got a speakeasy, you said? I have a hidden speakeasy bar wow. in my house. You should come over. I got to check it out. Come over for a cocktail. Okay. Yeah, right. we have a little speakeasy bar. We have a movie theater upstairs. It's all black. I actually have some really cool sconces from the old Hermitage Hotel we got from an auction wow. that are on each side of our little movie theater screen. And then Dylan's office is upstairs, my office is upstairs, and then a few bedrooms. And Dylan owns House of Black. Dylan owns House of Black. He's a okay. designer and a builder here in town. And he's built a lot of properties. I've seen a lot of his different work. Yeah, I'm so proud of him. He is built, he's getting into the the higher price range for sure, like the yeah. one five to three um, here in Nashville, which is so cool because he's in his 20s. But a lot of people are attracted to his, you know, his business. He's a designer and a builder for the price of just paying for a basic builder in town. Right. So when you get that, a lot of these places now are paying 20 to, I would say 25 to 50 grand a house for design. Yeah. And so Dylan basically cuts that. He's like, Hey, if you build with me, you get that for free. Like I'll design and you'll have a designer on site every day of the week. You know what I mean? And it's really important when you have a designer building your house, like little finishes and little things like, for example, a woman in her, in her bathroom wouldn't want lights over her head when she's doing her makeup. She wants lights that project. A basic builder would not know that. You know, it really takes different key elements that a designer can offer when building a house to make it the perfect, the perfect home because all the little things add up. It's a great combo and a great brand, which leads us to this next segment, which is, you know, so 
everyone's talking about branding. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about so you know social media. So many people are doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Your Instagram is brand lions that's or right. you talking about my business one yeah stay on brand stay on brand Stay on brand like on so my business is on brand like on brand yeah yeah so for, tell me if i'm accurate in what i've what i've observed you seem to be really really good with somebody who's running a professional business mm-hmm. like they're they've set a high bar for themselves mm-hmm. but they necessarily don't really know how to do it all how to buy the equipment how to shoot themselves yeah. like from what i've seen is some of your clients out there you know, like you make them look like a rock star. Thank Talk a little you. bit about your business and like what you feel like, you know, your brand is and what makes you different from these other people that just are bringing out a camera and doing these terrible videos. Like, <laughs> I hate to say that, but they're just awful. I just always had this like little aesthetic <clears throat> about me when Instagram became popular when I was a kid, I was on it immediately. Like I've always just loved when I turned 14, I got like a camera for Christmas. And another way I paid myself um, through college was photography. I did a lot of senior shoots and headshots for LinkedIn. Really? That's how I paid my way, you know, a little extra money here and there. But I would have at least two photo shoots a week in college. And my, I would, you'd charge like 150 bucks for a photo shoot or less. And you would get 50 edits in Lightroom. And I was good at editing in Lightroom and in Adobe products at the time. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so... Have you always I, had like a tech kind of side? I, I've you? always just loved new products, new softwares, new technology. I think AI is really cool right now in the Photoshop world. Um, Your parents were lawyers, so you had like you always had good computers. Well, I was the only child you? too. My parents were like, "You got to figure this out." I bet like, you guys busy. had a Mac when they first came out. My mom did get me a Mac when I um, we had to get a computer for school, and she wanted me to be able to do a little bit more creative processes and things like that. So I did get a Mac when I went to I did I think I had to work or do something that summer before ninth grade, so I earned one. Okay. But I got a Mac in ninth grade. I had to turn our fireplace on oh, so we could get good. a little, little warmth, y'all. It's so. cold here in Nashville today, and for reason. Yeah. But um, I my pitches to clients is my average monthly retainer can be around let's say twenty five hundred a month. Okay. An average, and I've some, and I've some people that are very low, like in the you know, fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred, or some in the four to five, six grand a month. You know, it just depends on all what you want. Right. Um, so my pitch is, is let's say, on an average, it's twenty five hundred a month. So we're talking on average about thirty grand a year. Yep. And you're getting someone that you know has worked in a Fortune five hundred company, someone who has that consulting experience, all yeah. of that. So if you went higher, knows someone, how the algorithms are working, mm-hmm. and, and I study that Monday morning with a coffee. I'm always studying that. Yeah. I, I I educate myself on what's trending and what's going on in the meta world. So Instagram and Facebook every single Monday morning with a cup of coffee because I have to stay sharp for my clients. I have to know about you know everyone jokes now about Gen Z like just get a Gen Zer and I and I have to stay sharp and young like that too. Even even though I'm in it's my twenties, so fast it is. It moves daily. And I have people I've worked with that they just didn't move fast enough, and they were great at one moment, but six mm-hmm. months later, it's like it wasn't consistent, yeah. which is where you lose. So you hire me twenty five hundred a month, thirty thousand a year. So if you hired someone like me to work for you full time to be a social media manager and do, you know, mainly marketing for organic content at your real estate brokerage, your small office, your dentist office. You would have to probably pay someone of my expertise around 125 to 150 yeah, grand a year. Sure. So my pitch is hire me. You'll still get the same effect every month, and you'll write me off 100 percent when it comes to tax seasons. At 10.99 is a marketing expense. This is a win-win. I cut yeah. I cut it into maybe a fourth of what you'd actually have to pay someone of my expertise. You get to write me off. I shoot with you one, two days a month for just a couple hours here and there. I come in, take the burden off you. Come with the creativity. Come with the concepts. Feed you lines if we're talking little bit of creative direction i go home cut it up edit it manage your account and grow it at the same time all month long um so that's why i'm in business baby. i mean you only <laughs> gotta close three four transactions more a year at the average purchase price here in nashville as a real estate agent well, a lot of my clients too it's like you know a lot of my i'm very lucky let's say let's talk about my real estate clients and i have some that are surgeons doctors all that but i would say 60 percent of my clients are real estate agents so they look as like okay i just need to do a you know one million dollar deal to pay to for on brand to run all social all marketing for me for a whole year and you know i would say a majority of my clients are high producing real estate agents so a million dollar deal for someone to do all their marketing all year long is like sold done take it (laughs) and they write me off at the end of the day too it's like and you don't have to buy all the equipment either no i mean i've got three five thousand dollars worth of equipment here probably even more than that sean (coughs) that stuff and you got to keep it up you gotta Mm -hmm. and have you do it 
And a lot of people just don't have the creative bone too, like feeding lines and talk about different topics and all that. And I come in and I have like a notes file of, let's say we do more trendy, fun real estate reels, like the funny sounds, things like that. I have a notes file on my phone right now with 70 reels ready to go. Wow. So that's very valuable too. Honestly, you should probably sell that on like Etsy or something for real estate agents. So you just click the link and replicate it. So I coach a lot of lenders um, in a nationwide coaching program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're all addicted to like, you know, buying leads for a realtor, you Mm -hmm. know, sponsoring an event, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But I think the game is changing so fast. I just told them the other day, I said, you'd be better off going to a brokerage or an agency or a big team and saying, I want to partner with an agency that's going to come in and help you with your digital and your social. Yeah. Like, I think the investment in that, I told someone uh, on that call, I said, I don't call it social media. I call it business media. Yeah. Like, you should be treating it as if it's your billboard. It's mm-hmm. your it's your big, the amount of people that are looking at the content on social media on a daily basis right now, mm-hmm. like, it's not a game anymore. I got a client last week call me, literally <clears throat> signed within an hour. She called me. She's like, I've been following you on Instagram. I've been wanting to hire you. I've just been feeling lazy. Not wanting to, And she, she does well. She probably does at least at least 20 million a year. Okay. So if you That's average that at a 2% commission rate, she's making 400 grand a year. Yep. And she's in her 20s, she's doing really good. And she calls me and says, "Hey, I just lost a 2 million dollar deal in uh, Green Hills, like 12 South area. So it would have been an easy sell. It's going they were going to list it lower than what it actually probably could have gotten for a few months ago, like a quick. They just need to sell it." I lost a $2 million deal at 3% because I haven't posted on Instagram in six weeks and they didn't like that, so they didn't hire me. So I need you to send me a contract and I want to do, what do you have, a 12, 18, 24-month contract? I want to sign it today. Mm. She lost a $60,000 commission because she had not posted in a month on Instagram. Yeah. And she called me immediately and she's going to do a package that's two grand a month, so 24000 for the whole year. So in, I'm not saying this is a perfect world, perfect explanation or scenario for myself, but she could have invested in me and done 24 grand a year and kept that 60K in that commission. Yeah. All if she just invested back in her brand and wrote, written me off at the end of the year. And so I'm getting calls now where it's like, hey, like, I, wanna, I wanted to list this, but I lost the deal because I wasn't active. Can I hire you? I'm seeing that a lot now because people, it's social media is like a baseline. It's like right. real estate agents aren't doing it. It's like, what are you doing? Right. Like, it's a little odd. Like, yeah. I need you marketing my property. If you're going to, if I'm going to sell, a half a million dollar house. Let's say I have a half a million dollar house I want to sell. I interview agents. I'm going to pick the one who's marketing my product, my home, my, right. something that's intimate, you know, where I can make as much money on this investment as I can and move forward. Yeah. So if I go in and say, uh, like, let's say they even do $50 million a deal. If they're not a year, 50, $50 million a year in transactions, if I don't see they're active on Instagram or Facebook, really marketing their brand and who they are in the real estate business, I'm not hiring them. I see tons of people like that right now. I, I, um, I believe that we're headed for a brand identity cliff. And I think what's going to happen is I you're love that you said that because I've even thought oh, about it. I mean, I, I felt that, but I love the way you put that. You're going to have these $100 million producers, mm-hmm. you know, and I can name 10 of them right now mm-hmm. that are not taking social seriously. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen, I've tell, told them over and over, is you're going to look up and you're going to lose a sale here. You're going to lose a builder account here. Yeah. You're going to lose a big listing here. And you're going to look up and you're going to say it's going to, add up. to that little guy down the road that has a really great camera that has hired a team that really is you know consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the consistency, I'm glad you brought that up. So you that, that's the next client that you're looking for. That would be a, a, a great client. is somebody that puts out great content, mm-hmm. but you'll look and like they haven't posted in three or four weeks. And yeah, that's because they stay up till one o'clock in the morning trying to edit the video. And- yeah, I had one woman take me to um, to lunch a few months back, and she was like, "I'm so thankful <clears throat> that we're working together because my marriage is better, my relationships are better with my kids because I don't stay up till eleven to twelve o'clock at night and do my own marketing materials anymore. I get to go home at six o'clock because she works eight to six, still a pretty long day, and I take care of all of her marketing and social support. And she's noticing that." She's had more intimate time with her husband. Her husband loves me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. she, he's getting more attention. The kids are getting more attention. They have more date nights. She's not the sitting kids. here all night like this. And she to was do doing video. that at least four nights a week. Wow. You know what I mean? So she took me to lunch, paid for lunch. We had a bottle of champagne, celebrated because her life literally changed because that sounds so corny and cheesy, but her life changed because she surrendered and let that go. And now it's more professional and everything's it's been good for, her, you know? What do you think the appropriate cadence is on posting, like, 
I've had people oh ask gosh. me this all the time. People ask, They're like, say, is once a day too much? Is it three days a week? So for you, you're more of a, in my opinion, a coaching scenario right now. Like, obviously, I know you're a lender. I would want to get a mortgage through you because you're amazing. But I see you more as a educator. Like, I would learn a lot from you. So when I think of more of the Tony Robbins, the yeah. Gary Vee, yeah, they're posting every day because they're giving out. You know, when you used to get those texts years ago and it was like a little... Um, good luck or like a Bible verse in the morning like people would text you that I mean that's basically this version now on Instagram that's what you guys are doing in the mornings so I see people that are in the coaching space yes post daily or every other day but when it comes to agents and more in the business I wouldn't post every single day um, because it's already difficult for a lot of people to follow business accounts even to begin with Um, so if I'm just saying business all day long like I I go to Instagram to escape and see something fun or something I enjoy or learn you know so I would I'm not learning anything. If you're just a real estate agent, show me a house or show me your listing. Like I would say, I would recommend like two to four times a week. Okay. Depending on, you know, the time and money and effort you want to put into it. But I would say, even if you're an agent just posting eight to 10 times a month, that's great. Yeah. Better than nothing. Yeah. You know? Consistently. If you're posting even two rows of content a month, that's even six. I mean, I'm still like, at least they're, they're you know, they're putting it in. Something I've been encouraging people to do and we'll land this plane is, um, you know, if you're going through something tough in life right yeah. now, if you're having a challenging time, like, guess what? Other people probably are, too. Absolutely. Like, why do you think so many people have a tough time sharing publicly? We, t- we started before we started recording. We were talking about the highlight reel, yeah. right? Like, why are people having so much trouble in saying, hey, I'm not doing well right now and sharing it with the world? Because those are the posts that get the best engagement. They do. Most authentic, you know comments like i had a bad week uh and i don't honestly i have great days and great weeks like i normally don't let a lot get to me and that's been a a a lot of work in the last year but the the other day i had a day that wasn't great and i posted on instagram and i have not had that many views and questions and comments i remember that post that one stood out i was just kind of and i was honest i was like i'm having a week y'all or it wasn't a week it was a day it was a pretty bad day and so many people checked on me and i think at the end of the day we're all human yeah we i i told you this about your brand like really focus on emotion and ethos how you can make a viewer feel and that might be advice that might be a feeling an aesthetic whatever that looks like but really focus your brand on social and ethos and i think going through COVID, a lot of people lost time with lost the humanistic connection with people. And I think it's detrimental to the formations of our brains, for our kids' brains, all of that, and how important it is on a day-to-day basis. So I think at the end of the day, like all of us going through COVID are just dying for that humanistic connection. So I think if you can give that off on social and connect and be authentic and honest, because so many people are tired of seeing these editing apps. So many people are tired of the the fraud. You know, know, they live in a million-dollar house, but they're living paycheck to paycheck. Like live within your means. Be honest. Like don't... You know, fake it till you make it is great, but the, I feel like the whole keeping up with the Joneses mentality is actually dying right now. Yeah. And I people, I think people are liking seeing people live in their means or at least working hard to get where they are and be authentic about, like, my story. Like, it was hard as hell. Like, I was star- basically starving, working my butt off and not sleeping and all these things to get where I am now. But, I mean, I tell people like this too. I'm like, do y'all think I wanted to save $13,000 to buy that first condo? No, I wanted to buy, I wanted to go to Nordstrom and shop. I wanted to go on trips. I wanted to go out and drink all the time. Right. I've lived broke for like a year saving that money to buy that condo that now changed my life financially. And so I, I like to paint the picture and be authentic. Like someone said to me recently, well, you're in your big house now. You got a good interest rate. I said, no, honey, I, I lived a life of hell for about a year saving for that 700 square foot condo that I lived in that made me $200,000. Yeah. And I painted everything, did all the work myself, busted my ass. And yep. so I, you people see the, the ending, the climax. Yep. And it's like, no, we need to be authentic about how we led there and how difficult it was. Because I sure lived many, many years where it wasn't, it wasn't just highlight reels. We are living in those moments that people are choosing to how they're writing their story right now. Mm-hmm. And people need to understand that, like, how you face that adversity right now, you're going to look up in five and ten years and probably be sitting on a podcast and sharing your story with somebody. And what story do you want to share? You know, when we were living in this RV, I was telling you, like, I remember coming home and I was just having some foul days. Like, yeah. And I was determined to just be foul, be miserable. And then I thought, people are watching. 
People are watching my social. And your energy they're, reflects they're my this. energy. I told you we're all a mirror of each other in this they're, world. They're waiting to see how I react. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to make sure this is a good chapter. Like, I need people to say, man, that was tough, but look how he handled it. And if people just look at these circumstances right now that they're going through, mm -hmm. but more so, I think, freedom. I heard this quote the other day. Shortening the, uh, the best way to shorten your pain is to tell the story because you're getting it out. And like... My realtor friends, my builder friends, my mortgage lender friends right now, you see the desperation posting. It's like, da 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 about interest rates, da da about po a new listing. Those manic. Yeah, and what they don't understand is what you're telling people that are struggling, people that are challenged right now, people that don't have the money to go finance at 7.75%. They're, they're, you're telling them you're tone deaf to it. But if they went to the other side and said, hey, we're having to tighten our budget in our household. We decide we can't go on a vacation this Christmas. You know, this is what's going on in the real estate industry. Imagine how many more people would be connected with them, you know? They but are. I, I tell my friends, I'm like, you're hurting yourself every time you post a new listing, every time you're posting, like, do it in a good way, but don't just constantly over and over and over. You got to sprinkle some stuff in there that tells people Education, you're real. Yeah. I think educational too. Like I have a, a really good friend of mine right now who's building an insane house and she calls me and she's very authentic. Like, I'm having to cut this out and do this and do that. And it's not like she's you know, going to cut any, it's not going to be cheap by any means. It's still over a $2 million house. It's going to be iconic. But I think if we pivoted and talked about her experience building right now and what she's cutting and what she's doing to get to the finish line and talk about budget cuts, yeah. and I think if she was honest about, Hey, I wanted this Venetian plaster. I wanted this stone outside my house. It was cost as much, but I can't do it. I'm not, I can't afford it. I can't do it. I think, you know, really talking about more of the uncomfortable negative things that get under people's skin, people will be obsessed with that person because they're being authentic and talking about like right. I can't do this and I think it's ridiculous that it costs this much like just being instead of living like oh I, I can afford to put this yeah. mouse and do that like that's not relatable like, that's not fun I want to so, know oh god you're like you you can't do that and you're going to find a solution for it like you're going to end up going <laughs> this design route or this finish or that and that's what gives me the feeling and the ethos back to the motion of that you're a damn good builder and you know what you're doing, and you're pivoting. You're solution-based. Right. So one of my, um, you make me think, one of my little dreams is to, um, I want to go see Kid Rock's new White House that he built. I want to, too. And can we go together? Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> if you can get us to go take a tour. Of Kid Grant Lines and yeah. Sean Kaplan want to go. Take a tour of Kid Rock's. I'll oh. film it. How about that? You there do the tour, I'll film it. Yeah, there we go. Um, but it makes me think about, everyone only sees... Kid Rock's new house, it's two bedrooms with a gold elevator and all that, 27,000 square feet. But did you know he lived in a mobile home for 10 years on I the property? Not. He went into a Clayton mobile home. Even with his like fame and money and everything, he still lived in a mobile home? He like, went into a Clayton mobile homes and he's like, I'll take, what, what's your biggest and nicest mobile home? And he goes, I'll take two of them. And he put them together and then he wrapped it in mossy oak camo. No, he did. And he lived there for 10 years. We've got to add these images in this video. Yeah, yeah, there's pictures of it online. Well, it's like you. Can you. See it. I mean, you live in this beautiful, sunny house that you've worked so hard for, but you lived on a bus with your old family. And the, the Hope Dealer, the Hope Dealer bus. Yeah. And it just shows that, like, obviously you could have afforded to go on and rent something, but you, the timeline's obviously building all that. But you stuck with your family and just weathered this storm and y'all are all even closer probably after it i wouldn't recommend it one of my friends you wouldn't recommend one it, of my friends is renovating their home they just moved in the other day and they're like we're doing camper life any recommendations i was like yes live in it for 30 days and then go to an airbnb for a couple of weeks yeah. go back to it for 30 days but we did six months straight and just about lost our with two know, kids y'all sean is the mvp yeah well, I really, really appreciate you being here Thank on the Hope Dealer me. podcast. Please tell the audience, how can they find you? Yeah, so my name's Brant Lyons. Once again, I own On Brant Agency here in Nashville. Our handle is Stay On Brant. So S T A Y O N B R A N T. We'll put all the info below. You guys reach out to uh, Brant. Make sure that if you are trying to do this journey on social media alone or you know the importance of branding and you're not taking the right steps, give this guy a shout out. Shoot him a DM. Yeah, I would love to. I'm always open to communicating and giving people advice because I just I'd love to help people and see their, see them thrive that's what fulfills me so just reach out well we really appreciate you being on here I enjoyed the discussion thanks for having me Sean hey thanks for tuning into the Hope Wagon folks <laughs>